I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with producer, creative director, journalist, editor, lots of things, Mimi Valdez. Mimi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I am very excited about having this conversation with you because I feel like you've had uh, probably one of the more interesting careers in terms of uh, your start as a journalist, Mm -hmm. um, your roots in hip-hop, and then being able to transition that several times into (laughs) into, uh, your role at I Am Other, where you currently are right now. So I'm going to ask what might be the most corny question. (laughs) No, there's no question that's corny. Give it to me. (laughs) Of of, of all the ones that that I've asked, um, and just to kind of ground us in in a a moment of, of fun, when did you first fall in love with hip hop? Uh, when did I first fall in love with hip hop? Yes. It's, um, I. It's funny because my early memory is just hearing the music at the block parties in New York. I grew up in New York, um, you know, in the seventies, and I would just hear it, like just hear it out. And then when the first um, song ever to be put on Wax, Rapper's Delight, when that came out, I was just like. Oh, my gosh. It was the most amazing thing ever because you had heard this sort of music out in the park, but you had never heard it actually on an, you know, a real record. So that was amazing. And I just fell in love with it from from the first time I ever heard it. Um, you know, at that time, disco was just starting to kind of phase out. And, I, you know, I was a fan of that music as well, too. But when hip hop came out, I was like, oh, this is my music. Like, this is this is the music of the youth. This is like, you know, my mom was like, you know, wasn't really into it. My family was like, what is that? But like all the kids, all the cousins, that was the music we loved. So talk about your start as a journalist and, and realizing that you wanted to write mm-hmm. about this culture. So it's funny because coming up, I just was a as a child, I was obsessed with magazines. Like, that was just what I loved. And I just, I didn't necessarily think I could have a career in magazines because when you're from the hood, you're from the projects, you know, everyone has very, you know, there's only so many jobs that people have, right? My mom was a secretary and um, my my grandmother was a seamstress. So um, education was really important to my mom. So she was all about, like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer. But it really wasn't until... I got to college that it started to dawn on me, well, actually, maybe like late, maybe in late in high school that I could work in a magazine. Like that wasn't even a real option for me because who works at a magazine, right? Like that's some fantasy world. And I had a next door neighbor who was very encouraging, even though my mom was like, Dr. Lawyer, Dr. Lawyer. My I, my next door neighbor saw that I had such an interest in magazines. Like, you know, you could do that, right? Like, you know, the magazine industry is here in New York. And that was all I needed to hear because I was like, well, if people coming from all over the country to work in magazines. I grew up here. So clearly I'm going to get a job in magazines. It was, I think, kind of a naive sort of um, thinking, but it was helpful in that when I got to um, NYU, I majored in journalism and I just was like, I'm going to work in a magazine. But I didn't really didn't really put it together that I could work at a hip hop magazine because it didn't exist. It wasn't until my later years in college that the source had started to um, come out. And um, the source was cool to me, but I didn't necessarily um, had typos in it. And I didn't think the photography was that great at that time. And then in my last year at NYU, the test issue of Vibe came out. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is where I have to work. Like, I didn't even know that my love of this music that was really a hobby could actually be melded into my love for magazines, which is where I absolutely wanted to work. So I just, I was, I was in heaven. I was like, I got to work here. (laughs) And so you've gone on to work at Latina Magazine. You've worked uh, at Mm BT.com. 
Um, you're now at I Am Other. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, in terms of, of film and as you are assessing your involvement in the film industry, um, thinking back to your roots as a journalist, what did you what did you feel would be um, your strengths mm-hmm. in terms of stepping into the film area? And what did you feel like you, you might want to, you know, uh, improve upon as you were navigating this particular uh, yeah. type of media? Well, I think first and foremost, I've always loved stories. That's what attracted me to magazines to begin with. I just loved um, just hearing about whatever pieces, people, places and things, just just knowing about um whether it was different uh, cultures or, you know, whatever it was. I just love storytelling. So that was first and foremost my first love. And then once I made this transition to film, I realized that not only, um, you know, what the visual medium does so beautifully is tell stories in a way that way more people can be exposed to it. Like not everyone loves to read. I mean, I think, you know, I love reading and I encourage everyone to read, but, you know, being able to tell a story in a visual medium is very powerful. And once I sort of realized that, I think that was really exciting to me. And I think what what has been my strength in general is that I'm, I've always been so committed to diversity. I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up with all races, all nationalities, ethnicities, um, sexual orientations, like what, whatever it was. I grew up with so many different kind of people. So to me, that's always been when I came to the magazine industry, that was always something that was really important to me, making sure like, you know, the vibe staff was all different types of people working there. And I think that's what made the magazine so good because we were all brought together sort of, um, you know, our love for hip hop. That's what made us, um, you know, kind of all be there. So what I'm hoping to continue to do in, in the film and TV world and just in Hollywood is just really make people understand how beautiful diversity is and how important it is for us to share different types of stories and different cultures because we can all learn from each other. We're human beings at the end of the day. And I don't think, um, I think there's still a lot of fear and kind of what's different. And what I hope to do with the stories we bring to the, you know, whether it's TV or film is make people understand like, yes, we may be different, but we're really all the same. And it's so much more such the world is a better place when we can all learn from each other and um, just experience life together and just remember that we're humans at the end of the day. Now, you grew up in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, Dope, the film that you produced, was based in L.A. Yep. And thinking about that, and I want to ask you to maybe broaden this out to maybe thinking about uh, Chris Rock's film Top 5 mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your response to what I think is it happened with those two movies. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like those two movies were kind of bookend conversations about hip-hop and its ability to be a character in a movie, mm. but not be the focus of the movie. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting that you say that because I just think in general, you know, I come from a time where people thought hip hop wasn't going to last. Like it was just a novelty and it wasn't art. It wasn't even anything that could be taken serious. So to fast forward, you know, gosh, like what is it, 30 something years later that to, um, yeah, like to to think how far hip hop has come that now it's actually used as a device in films and, and connecting with all kinds of audiences, not the ones you supposedly, you know, you're, you're stereotypical of who you think a hip hop fan is that these stories can appeal to everyone because the music really is that strong. And, and it has such, um, it has such a pull. And I think that's why I was always attracted because it's like, I just feel something when hip hop comes on. And I think to now see it being used in that way in a film shows the, the power of, it's a lore and that it can be very mesmerizing and there's just something 
I think Kurt Cobain had a really interesting quote about how hip hop was like the most it's something about the most innovative music to come out of America since like jazz or something like that. And I just thought that was like, wow, I guess that is really true. It's like it's really it just I don't know. There's just something in that that feeling that just makes people feel a certain way. And, and it can connect so many different cultures, which I don't think we've seen, you know, and, and you know, probably, I guess, besides jazz, that people from all walk, walks yeah. of life, it is a global phenomenon. At, during those early days at Vibe in the 90s when hip-hop was really taking off, it was becoming this worldwide phenomenon, and it was so beautiful for me because I was like, see, I told you, I told I knew this this was an <laughs> amazing art form, but it really is. It's like you go anywhere, and, and hip-hop is, is a very dominant form of music in all over the world, which is crazy, crazy. From a professional development perspective going back to your roles at vibe at the source prior to that at latina.com uh at bt or at latina magazine at right. bt.com mm-hmm. excuse me um when do you assess or how do you assess when an, an opportunity is right for you to mm. enter into yeah a role it, it's 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 really for me it's about it sounds so silly, but it's about that feeling. It's about like feeling really like just passionate about something and excited about it. Like I used to say, even at Vibe, right? Like a, a lot of the covers we did, um, we put a lot of uh, up and coming acts on the cover when I was editor in chief because I always felt like that was our responsibility to kind of continue to forward the culture and not just kind of do the same old people. But I would always get so nervous when we would do those those uh, those covers. But I remember feeling like. If it, if it felt risky, I always felt like, oh, this is the right thing. And I think it's the same thing with, like, I, I you know, my friends, you know, it's, I, I laughed when you mentioned going through all these careers because my friends are like, oh, my God, you've had, like, 20 million. You just keep finding new things to do. But to me, they're all connected in a, in a, in a very similar way in the sense that, you know, hip-hop is kind of like a very, you know, a through line. I think it sort of has gotten me through everything. But I think at the end of the day, I love telling stories. So whichever way I can do that that's where I want to be. But how I choose projects is really just based on feeling. Like if I'm really excited about it and I get like, I can't lose, you know, almost like I'm, I can't like sleep and I'm losing sleep over it. And it just makes me feel like, you know, I want to scream from the mountaintops about this project. That's when I know like, okay, that's what I need to be doing. If I hear it come across, I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I'm like, wait, what? Like, oh my God, I need to do that. That's when it's right. On the flip side, in your career, you've had to leave other places. Mm-hmm. And as you reflect on how you leave a relationship and whether it was, you know, your decision or someone else's, how do you reflect on or even assess what you did, what you could do better and thinking about the next opportunity? Totally. I mean, that's very real. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I would have stayed at Vibe probably my entire life. Like, that's how much I loved that job. It was Mm -hmm. the best thing to me. And, you know, we didn't just do the magazine. We had a a magazine, new um, weekly magazine news show that we did. We had an award show. Like, we did so much stuff. We had books. I would have stayed there my whole career, but new owners came in and fired all of senior management. So I had no choice but to leave. And it was, you know, it wasn't so shocking because we knew that it could happen because the magazine was up for sale. So I was very clear, like, all right, well, if this person buys it, they're probably going to fire everybody. If this person buys it, all have jobs. And I think I looked at that experience as like, all right, well, cool. Like, that was an era. That was a very fun era. I just got to figure it out and move on. But it's not easy, you know, especially when something that you love so much. I was there for 13 years, right? So something you love so much and you feel so connected to it. Like, you mentioned the vibe name, and I just feel like, you know, it's like – 
oozes out of my pores because we put so much sweat equity and so much love and, and, and tears and blood and all that. And, you know, my whole team, which I'm still very, very close with mm-hmm. um, people that I worked with at Vibe. Like we still we've actually gone on. You know, I brought a lot of them with me to Latina. We worked at BET together, too, for that uh, short time that I was there. And again, whenever I can bring those people in to work with them, I will. But it is hard when you're, you know, but that's why you have to remember, like, you can't get as much as you love what it is you, you're doing. It's not about the place. It's about what you bring to it. And I just was like, all right, well, I got to find another place that I can bring all this, like, love and passion and, and figure out something else. And then, you know, the next thing was Latina. And that was great, too. So talk about mentorship, mentorship in terms of um, in terms of you thinking about your career, mm-hmm. navigating that um, maybe one or two mm-hmm. of your most impactful mentors. Probably the most, most impactful was um, a, a very early one, Joan Morgan. Um, uh, she's in this incredible writer. She wrote this book called When uh, Chicken Heads Come Home to Roost. She was a staff writer at Vibe, and she was the one who encouraged um, the editor-in-chief and sort of the senior staff to give me my first shot at writing. And she just was like, oh, you know, something that was a story about a PMB Nation, this clothing company, really um, 90s streetwear clothing company. And they were, you know, trying to figure out who was going to write it. And she just knew my love of fashion and hip hop and just felt like, oh, let me me write it. And that was so big because it was like, oh, my God, here's Joan Morgan, who is this amazing writer. She was a, a, I think she was a staff writer at the Village Voice. She wasn't a staff writer. She wrote a lot of like, you know, defining pop culture um, stories at the at the Village Voice. So the fact that someone like her identify that I had some talent and encourage the powers that be to let me write. That was really big for me. And she continues to be someone that, that, um, you know, I love and, and, uh, just adore because, you know, she gave me my first shot. And then, then there's been many people along the way. Um, obviously someone like Pharrell, who I work with, who's like my little brother, I'm, you know, watching him and, and he's so, he talk about someone who just moves to the beat of their own drum, like whatever it is that he feels like doing, he's done it right. He started out in hip hop, but he's gone on to produce so many different genres and then doing art and now doing movies. So he's someone who's also obviously very inspiring to me, too, and, and been so encouraging to me of like, you know, even when we did dope, you know, coming across this project, he was like, you're a storyteller and, you know, we need to have you focused on building our film and TV division because this is obviously something that's in your DNA and, you know, let's just figure it out together, which is awesome. Whether it be as a writer, whether it be as an executive, whether it be just as a person in the world, when are you most inspired? When am I most inspired? I think I'm most inspired when... I can give an opportunity to people who may not have had that opportunity otherwise, right? Like when I look at Dope and I see those all those young actors that we use, someone like a Shamik Moore, who this was his first role, or Kiersey Clemens, who had been kind of around, but again, had this opportunity to, you know, or Tony Revolori, like that is very inspiring to me because, I again, I just feel like someone looked out for me and I, it's really important for me to continue to kind of look out for other people. But, but beyond that... It is it's it's just so gratifying to see that you're like, man, this wouldn't have existed had we not made it a point to be like, no, we don't care about name actors. You know, we're just going to find whoever is the best person for the role, because this is a very specific kind of role that we were you know, looking for very specific actors to play these roles. And I think that that's the most inspiring thing to me when I look back and I think of like interns who came through Vibe Doors that have gone on to write books or, you know, 
work in, you know, other magazines or just go on to do great things, that's very inspiring to me because it just makes me think, like, good, like, this is what we're this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make sure that we give these opportunities back and, and, and that people have given to us and just create opportunities for people. That's that's the best thing for me. We've talked about dope and I've mentioned top five. So I have to ask this. Who are your top five dope <laughs> MCs? Top five. Okay. I don't God, what would be the order? Um probably uh well, I like party hip. See, this is, this is so hard. Every time people ask me this list, I'm always like, oh, this is so hard. Because it changes. It, it changes. changes. Well, it changes. And also, too, it depends. Like, if I'm just talking about, like, I prefer party hip hop, the stuff that you could dance to. And I love storytelling. So, you know, I love Biggie's probably number one always. You know, and I love Jay as well. I love Jay-Z. And then, you know, then I'm old school. So I love the Rakims and the KRS-1s and, um, you know, someone even like a... You know, Slick Rick is like the greatest storyteller ever. So that's that's usually my core list. But there's so many MCs I love. Like, just it's just like we can have a whole show about that. <laughs> well, since you're in Atlanta, we have to get you to spend a little bit more time in Atlanta, and then maybe one of the ATL rappers might sneak into. <laughs> well, that you top know what? Five. Actually, you know who will probably sneak in that top um, top five is Andre. I love Andre. I okay. think, and I'm always disappointed that he doesn't get named more often because I think it's because he's part of a group, but he's is the illest to me like he's he you know i would probably put him probably i would put him in probably five because you know i'm a new york girl so of course my new york <laughs> mcs are, are gonna be ahead <laughs> mimi valdez thank you for your time thank you so much for having me this was a pleasure this was fun thank you <laughs>